Okay, so the first question I really have to ask you, and I apologize if this sounds slightly blunt, how does someone who comes from somewhere as beautiful as Ontario end up in England? <laughs> oh man, you know what's funny is I've had like I've been obviously talking about my move over to the UK and I've had so many British people like leaving comments like, you know, saying, Hope you like overcast light and rain and blah blah <laughs> But uh well so uh I mean, I guess the, the biggest reason we're moving over here is this is where my wife's from. Right. And uh, she had been living in Canada with me for about uh, 10 years. So we met uh, at Western Canada. She moved over, lived with me for about 10 years. And then uh, we kind of just got to a point. Um, we have a, a little one now, a little daughter, and I uh, just want to be closer to her family and whatnot. So uh, yeah, decided to make the move over. Uh, honestly, I'm, so I'm a I'm a big Toronto Maple Leaf fan, and I feel like you've made a terrible, terrible decision coming in this direction. But I'll I'll leave that. Uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan too. That's cool to hear. But I feel like I'm gonna, you know, whenever I'm here, it's like games start at midnight, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have to have uh, Premier Sports as well to watch it, which no one's heard of. So um, that's a bit frustrating. I think one of the first things I want to ask you about really is um, what makes you an advocate for film as opposed to digital? What's what's the draw? Because obviously with film photography, there's a lot more inconvenience and a lot less features. And what draws a lot of people towards the digital aspect of photography is the fact that you have so many sort of helping hands along the way from the cameras, uh, many sort of assistances. Why do you prefer film? Yeah. So I, I mean, I shot digital for the first 10 years of my career. Um, and it wasn't until about three years ago that I made the switch to film almost uh, exclusively, I guess. I just actually recently bought a digital camera a couple months ago, Fuji. But up until that point, I hadn't owned one for about three years. But, um, you know, there's a couple things I think that appeal to me. You know, none of it by any means is like, I think it's better or anything like that. I think, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think certain tools are going to appeal to to different people in different ways. And for me, a big thing with film is I just really enjoy the process. It's kind of, kind of very tangible. Um, you know, I enjoy the fact that you buy different film stocks and they have different looks and you load them into the camera and you can't really, you know, see the results until you send them away and get them developed. And it almost, um, you know, it almost makes me, uh, give a lot more value to my images. And maybe that's because I'm shooting less, but whenever I shot digital, unless I was really uh, being conscious of what I was doing, you know, it just felt like I always ended up with so many images and 95% of them I wouldn't do anything with. Um, whereas with film, you know, you have 10 or 12 or 24, depending on what camera format you're using, uh, images per roll. So you're really, really... Uh, you know, making sure that whatever you're shooting is going to be something that you think you're going to be happy with. I mean, still, most of the time, you know, you only end up with a handful off a roll that are really good. But uh, yeah, I just, I would say those are kind of the big things that appeal to me. Um, and then on the other side, the, the, the kind of gear side, uh, it's just, it's super fun to just, you know, there's like this whole new world that opens up of all this equipment from 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Um, these old quirky cameras, and they just, they all, just seem like they have so much soul. Um, so a combination of the gear and the film choices, I would say is what make up kind of my love for film. What do you make of the resurgence of film? Obviously it seems like over the, maybe the past three years with a lot of YouTube accounts, um, sort of, uh, proliferating the, the ideas behind why it's a good idea to move into film. And you've got 
I think Kodak are now having to up their prices to uh, pay for the machinery that they're using to up the scale of their production because they've got such a demand all of a sudden. What, what do you make of that kind of resurgence? I love it. I love it for sure. I think it's amazing. Um, and I think it's just people should, you know, people should use whatever they enjoy. And if that's digital, that's great. Or if that's filming, that's great. But, you know, obviously there's been a major appeal as, you know, this resurgence comes back and more people notice film and more people try it out. And obviously a lot of people are, are enjoying using it, which is amazing. So I think, you know, the more people that pick it up and get interested in it, um, you know, the more manufacturers start paying attention. And yeah, I mean, Kodak just released, you know, Ektachrome again, which is amazing. So I think, I think it's catching a lot of people off guard, including the manufacturers themselves, you know, um, film was very much going, you know, going downhill. Um, you know, that's not to say that it's booming to the point that everyone is releasing new products, but it's certainly trending upwards. So yeah, I think it's amazing. The more people that get into it, the better for sure. Well, I feel like we're coming towards um, sort of a, a breaking point with the sort of technological revolution where we keep for maybe the last 40, 50 years, every time something new comes out, we instantly despise the old. And that's kind of led to a lot of things dying out, maybe that had their own charm and their own quirk, but people have just dismissed them out of hand because they're not the newest thing. And maybe now we're at a turning point where people are starting to see that there is benefits and there is joy to have from film photography or from vinyl or, you know, from old amplifiers, if you're a guitar player or whatever, there's, there's some joy to be found in not embracing just new technology. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know what, like we're definitely at a point and we have been for a while now where, you know, the technology that's available to us is by no means going to limit us in any way whatsoever. You know, you can pick up a digital camera for five years ago and for the most part, it's going to do everything you need, you know, and unless it's like a special niche thing, right. Where you're like, say, I don't know, wildlife photographer and you need the absolute latest and greatest autofocus or something. But from like a technology capability standpoint, you know, it's almost like all these new cameras that keep getting released we we kind of obsess over and we kind of forget that the last version was more, you know, more than capable enough. So, uh, you know, I think with film, yeah, it's just kind of a, it's a throwback. Uh, and this kind of world opens up where there's all, all of this equipment, um, you know, that was at one time super expensive and really popular. And now it's available for a lot less than it used to cost, which is pretty exciting. Well, I think that the, the majority of the driving force behind things being dismissed as not being good enough to do something is similar to how politics seems to be working and how most relationships now seem to work, which is that it's all based on online opinions of people that you don't know that are anonymous or are someone that you, you could learn next to nothing about. But people seem to take so much negativity so seriously and dismiss positivity when it's coming from someone not, like you know that they don't know. I feel like the negativity drives a lot of the constant need for new cameras. It kind of other people dismissing a camera that's two years old is a great opportunity for a manufacturer to take advantage of that mindset and, and to monetize that kind of, I don't want to be rude, but that kind of stupidity. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and you know, to that, to that point, I mean, we're, we're living in a time where we're exposed to more opinions and reviews and articles than we ever have been before. Right. So yeah. it's so, it's so easy when something gets released or there is rumored to be released that like there's just this chatter about it and these opinions about it. And you can like go down a, the biggest rabbit hole 
trying to, you know, research certain things and, and, and whatnot. And then before you know it, you, it's easy to believe that that's what you need, right? And you forget that yeah. whatever you have is probably still pretty damn good. So kind of going down that path then, um, obviously for someone that's, I'd like to think that you're probably primarily known as an analog photographer. What was the, what was the draw towards YouTube and what drives you to make videos for YouTube? Yeah. So, um, I have been, uh, a filmmaker and doing video production for as long as I've been doing photography. Um, and I've run some production companies and stuff like that. So kind of my second passion has always been filmmaking and video. And, uh, you know, I, I've also always really enjoyed, um, I guess you could say teaching, just helping other people. Mm-hmm. And when I when I got back into film photography uh, about three years ago, uh, you know, there were all of these questions that I had, right? Just about like exposure and scanning and film types and all of these things. And I just figured, you know, I, I do enjoy making content as it is. So, you know, maybe I can make some videos that help people who have these same questions. Uh, maybe I can help answer them now that I've, you know, done the research and experimented and tried to figure them out. So a lot of the videos that I started with were like, you know, film exposure tests and, you know, different camera views. And, but like purely from the standpoint of like, you know, this, this is how this works and this is what my experience is. And this is why it's good for me. Never, you know, never these like, um, in your face, click baby, you know, the best film camera ever. The yeah. only ever, like none of that purely just to like, uh, keep it authentic and you know try and help people and make it entertaining you've got to make sure like that, that you put one um one of the words in your title in in full caps so that everyone knows that you really mean it and they should definitely <laughs> click <laughs> yeah yeah so i mean that's you know what people are people are obviously um you know can do whatever they want um but for me i'm just like this is me this is you know the content that um i want to make and i feel is uh you know, most valuable. I want to make sure that whatever I'm putting out on my YouTube channel is something that's going to help someone, right? And isn't just like something I'm pushing in to try and get, you know, uh, another video up or yeah, uh, people to click on it or whatever. Well, I think that one of the downsides or one of the interesting things about the democratization of, of photography really in the sense of like YouTube putting out so many tutorials and so much information being out there is the fact that there's a lot of bad information and there's a lot of information that's out there for the sake of it. So I've seen, you know, full tutorials that that are, you know, a three minute ad at the beginning, a three minute ad at the end, and then everything in the middle is just someone showing off to some flashy music and there doesn't seem to be any substance to what they're doing. Um, And it just, it really, it kind of makes me fear for newer photographers that, you know, unless you have the ability to kind of sieve out the good stuff from quite a slurry of nonsense, it's quite hard to actually find the useful information on YouTube. Well, I think, I think so, like a lot of that can come from, um, the way that people feel they need to approach YouTube, right? Let's say you're getting started and for the first time, right? And you're seeing what everyone else is doing. And there's this, there can be this pressure that like, oh, I need to get stuff out, right? And like, once you even build up, uh, like I don't have a huge following by any means, but, uh, I think I'm at, I'm close to 30,000. But once I got to about 10,000, I started having a lot of these companies approach me. Um, like, you know, third party companies from overseas and stuff Mm -hmm. saying like, we'll send you this light. If you review it, we'll send you this. And like almost all of them, I said no to because none of them fit with my channel, but I could see how a lot of people would be like, okay, I'll do that. And then they get this light and they, you know, just turn it on and they make some review about it. So it's like, 
it's the biggest challenge I face is, you know, uh, having enough time to use something so I can actually make a video to give an opinion about it. Right. Yeah. And I, one of my favorite things about particularly your YouTube channel is, is the, the sparsity of videos. Like the, the, it's not a video every five minutes. That's just a video that's out for the sake of it. I think at the moment we're probably seeing a real glut of just nonsense videos where people are kind of stuck indoors and they're just trying to find something to do or they're trying to retain an audience because, you know, they feel like constant repetition is the way to retain their audience. With your channel, it feels like every video is quite considered. And, and I mean, I, what I definitely want to go down the route of is talking about your, your trip across America and just let you talk ad nauseum about that because you basically lived out my dream of visiting all of these abandoned buildings and these amazing places. So I think we'll probably just go down that route. Cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So obviously you started off in, was it, did you start off in Chicago? Uh, no. So uh, the most recent trip I did uh, was just a little solo trip where I started. Uh, I, I basically drove from Toronto to New Mexico, but uh, in terms of the, like the big kind of year long trip I did, that was back in uh, 2017 is when we left. So basically um, me and my wife, we'd, we'd kind of been wanting to make some changes for a while. I'd been running a video production company for a while and, I was kind of losing my passion in a way for like commercial work and stuff. Um, so we uh, actually ended up selling our house and pretty much everything that we owned. Um, and we wow. bought a truck and truck and a trailer. And um, we just took off with a, it was me and my wife and we had our dog with us. And uh, we left uh, kind of Toronto area in Ontario, in Canada, where we were living. And we basically drove across uh, Canada all the way to the West Coast of Vancouver Island. And then we went down the uh, the West Coast into the States and into California and then went basically explored the desert and went along the Southern Coast over to Florida eventually and then worked our way back home. Um, if I could jump in there. Yeah. Did you have much family? Do you have much family in Ontario? Yeah. Yeah. So that's where like my family is. And I have a brother and all our friends. How did they feel stuff. about this? I think a lot of people thought it was awesome. Okay, they were super supportive. Cool. Yeah. 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 Sorry, I just, I just find it fascinating because obviously that distance that you drove is when, when you bear in mind, I'm obviously English, that's like 3000 times the length of England. So it's just, it's crazy to think that that was just like, ah, yeah, we'll sell the house. We'll just, you know, we'll just drive what essentially is almost like a significant fraction of the world uh, because it will be cool. I just, I think that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? It, it was one of the best decisions that we've ever made, I think. And, you know, we did space it out over, I think it was a, about 11 months and we did like, I think we did like 50,000 kilometers is what we ended up driving. Jesus <laughs> we Christ. Were, we were just all over, but, um, yeah, you know what? We just saved up and sold all our stuff and we just said, whatever, let's, let's go for it. And it, it really did turn out to be one of the best, best decisions ever. Just a lot. I mean, a lot came from it. That's, that's where I, uh, discovered uh, film photography again. I was actually really kind of at a low point with my photography um, to the point where I, I, there were times where I thought about quitting just because I thought, um, you know, maybe it wasn't for me anymore. I didn't, like I said, I've been doing landscape photography for about 10 years and had a hard time accepting that I'd lost my passion for it. Mm -hmm. um, so it was on that trip that I kind of discovered film and discovered these new areas. And it kind of was like a, a launching point for everything I'm doing now. So that's amazing. Honestly, it's it, uh, everything that I've seen just looks like the way I'd want to live. I, I basically, I watched one of your videos last year and 
immediately booked a flight to uh so I like I love Nevada. I love the desert in Nevada. So I basically go to Vegas and then travel out from there. Amazing. And yeah, it's, you know, I I don't I'm not saying I'm going to send you an invoice, but your videos did kind of cause me to book a plane trip. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. That's that's uh like Nevada and Arizona and stuff like that. That's probably my favorite area. It's just Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think it's really underestimated as well, especially by Europeans that think that the only thing that's in sort of in Nevada is Vegas and you go there, you, you know, you drink, you gamble, you kill a hooker and then you fly back. And there's actually so much to do when, when you travel out and, you know, you do something other than drink. Well, you know, what's funny is, um, we like for this massive trip, we, we didn't plan too much, but you know, we, as we would get to certain areas, we'd be like, where, where do we want to go next? And I kept telling my wife, cause I'd spent some time out in Arizona and Nevada and stuff. I said, we got to spend like a couple months out in this. And she just wanted to like bypass it. Right? <laughs> um, but that's, we ended up, uh, we both agreed that those areas were by far our favorite uh, from the entire trip. So, so you're obviously doing photography and video work while you're there. What's your wife doing on this trip? Uh, just taking it easy and relaxing and reading and, you know, walking the dog and exploring. And yeah, I mean, I wasn't doing, I'm just, I'm naturally a busy person, you know what I mean? In terms of being like a creative. So for me, like it wasn't a trip I could go on and just not do anything. Um, and then when I discovered this new type of photography and film and sort of my YouTube channel, that kind of kept me busy, but uh, it was still like, you know, we, I'd been super busy with my video production and traveling a lot. So a big part of the trip was also like, Hey, like, let's get away and spend some, you know, quality time together and just go and explore. So it was still important to do that as well. Were there any points where it just, it, it, it got a bit, um, it got a bit too much or there, was there any like places that kind of just didn't do it for you and it made the trip kind of sour for a little while? Yeah, I wouldn't say the tr- it ever got sour for a while, but like there, there were definitely times where, I mean, we're living in like a 20 foot trailer, right? With our dog and all of our stuff. And like, there were times where you're like, okay, it would be cool to have a house and like Wi-Fi again, <laughs> like a little, a little more space. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, we would get to areas and there'd be no cell phone service. Right. Yeah. And we're like, shit, shit. Like, this is weird. But then we would like go to a thrift store and buy a book and like read for eight hours. So it was just like a really good uh, check, you know, like a reality check to get back to some of the things that are really important. Um, so, and then, you know, we enjoyed most places we went, but there were some places we would go and stay where you're like, you know, driving around at 10 at night, trying to find a place to park to sleep and like some sketchy experiences in, in certain areas and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. But all part of the, all part of the adventure. So a lot of the work that you did that I've seen on, on YouTube and obviously the prints that are available on your site and whatnot are based around uh, like abandoned buildings and old Americana and kind of the history of the places that you were in. Um, has it dawned on you yet that you've moved to a country that basically doesn't really have any abandoned buildings because we're too small to have them? <laughs> oh, you know, it's funny. I was out, I've been out, I, like, obviously right now we're on lockdown and not, but we get like our one walk a day. So I've been just going out with the camera and, and shooting a little bit. But uh, I was joking uh, the other day that like I walked around this town for three days. I didn't see one car that was older than like five years. Yep. <laughs> so, but um but no, in saying that, like the work that I've been doing for the past three years has been like a, a specific portfolio, which is all the American Southwest. And, you know, I, I was really feeling that I was at a point where like it was time to, to kind of wrap it up. Yeah. Um, and I could keep going to those areas and photographing for the rest of my life. But, you know, I can kind of start to feel things getting very similar. Um, 
So in a way, it's like, you know, this total reset going somewhere that's completely different um, and has a completely different look, um, I think is a good thing. It's going to be a challenge, but like a really, a really good one. Um, so once obviously all this uh, pandemic stuff settles down, whenever that is, uh, <laughs> I'm really excited to, uh, to go and explore. Um, you know, I've been over here to the UK a number of times, just with my wife being from here. But whenever we come, you know, we're just hanging with family and trying to catch up and stuff like that. So I've never really gone and you know drove north and explored or or whatnot. So well, you're getting the you're getting the full British experience at the moment because basically you're spending all your time indoors, looking out the window, annoyed at anyone that walks past your house. So that's pretty much <laughs> what being British is all about. <laughs> well, it's good to know. I guess I'm getting uh, I'm getting my fix here. So, do you have any projects in mind for? sort of representing your time in England or is it just a case of kind of letting things organically flow? Yeah, definitely organically. Uh, you know, I, like I'm at a point right now where I'm, I'm just, you know, I picked up a couple different cameras and a couple different film stocks and I'm just going out and purely uh, just being curious and shooting. And, uh, you know, once I have the ability to kind of travel a little bit here, I'm going to start, you know, doing some research on areas and potential stories and subjects and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, the one thing I learned from the work that I'm doing right now is, uh, you know, I discovered it very authentically and it just felt right when I finally found it. Yeah. And I think that's really important. So, you know, I'm going to maybe, you know, maybe it takes me six months, maybe it takes me a year to, to find really find what that next focus is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just going to yeah go and travel and explore and, and see what I find and see what catches my attention. So who was it that first influenced you to pick up a camera? Oh, geez. You know what? I would say no, probably no one in particular. Um, I, I, yeah, it's hard to say where the influence really came from. Um, like, when I was living out, uh, out West, uh, in Canada, I was about 19. I just moved out to the mountains to, to snowboard and stuff like that for a year after I got out of uh, school. And that's where I bought my first camera. But I, you know what? I can't really remember why I've, I've always been like very interested uh, in arts and, you know, very kind of a very visual person. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of what kicked it off. But there was never, you know, I, I never saw, like, saw someone's work and was like, Oh, uh, you know, I want to be a photographer kind of thing. Did that moment ever come? No, no. I mean, obviously, as I got more consumed with photography, there are tons of influences over the years and all sorts of people who I looked up to. And I mean, there still is today. I'm constantly super impressed by so many people's work. Um, But yeah, there was never like one moment where I saw something and it was like, that's what I want to do kind of thing. Do you remember like a time? uh, Do you you have like a, a moment in your life where you remember like you became a photographer as opposed to just someone that took photos? Not really, because I think like everyone else, even to this day, there's still like part of me that feels like an imposter, you know, where I'm like, should I really be talking about this? Do I know what I'm doing? Even though I've been doing it for 13 or 14 years or whatever. But uh, it's kind of just like, it's what I love doing and it's what I consume myself with. And, you know, every day I kind of stop and I'm like, yeah, I'm still doing it. I still love it. (laughs) Yeah. I see you're a contributor for, um, is it Offbeat? Yes. Yeah. So, so what is Offbeat? So, Offbeat is a, a company uh, that's run by two Canadian photographers, uh, Dave Broch and Paul Ziska. Uh, Paul is this amazing landscape photographer out in uh, Western Canada, and he does a lot of like uh, night photography and just really, really cool stuff. And Dave Broch is this kind of um, uh, he, he refers to himself as like a generalist. So it's he's like an amazing portrait photographer, landscape photographer, but they started this company. Um, 
as like a learning resource, essentially. So they host workshops all over the world, taking people uh, all over the place. And then they also have this community Facebook group where they uh, teach all sorts of stuff. So um, on top of that, they have uh, like contributors. So I think there's six or seven of us. And, you know, we write articles and go to workshops and that kind of stuff. Oh, amazing. And and you, you basically just... Uh... Uh, to to think that you're a contributor obviously makes me think I need to start checking out some of the other photographers that are involved for Definite. One thing I wanted to ask you about, obviously, I, I'm trying to avoid the subject because I think a lot of people at the moment are kind of sick of talking about it, but I think you probably have quite an interesting perspective. What's going on at the moment? You know, what do you make of this pandemic and the sort of media outcry and, and just, you know, it's obviously an unprecedented time. How are you kind of absorbing it all, especially being in a, in a relatively new country? Yeah, well, I mean, I think uh, like for many of us, it's been kind of every day you still have to, you know, sit there and it's, it's a little surprising still that something like this is going on. But uh, for me, it's been very interesting because I'm in the process of getting my visa over here. So I was actually here. I'd been, my wife moved over in December. I came and visited uh, and left on the 15th of March. Yep. So I flew back to Canada and then I got home and they started canceling international flights. So I, I went home, went into my office for a day, booked a ticket back that night at midnight and got back on a plane with like a, a backpack full of stuff. So wow. I've, been, I've been here ever since just with like, I got a little bit of camera gear and whatnot, but um, we're basically just waiting it out. You know, I wanted to be with my family, but um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a really, really interesting time. And, you know, for me, I, it's really important to me, even before something like this happened, uh, I don't pay too much attention, um, to media outlets and I'm very conscious of what I consume mm-hmm. in terms of what goes into my head. And I think this time right now, that is more apparent than ever in terms of how it can affect you. Yeah. So, you know, I'm kind of like once a day, I'll go on one of the like, um, uh, news websites that I trust and I'll just get my update and that's it. But man, you can like, you can sit and read and listen for, you know, 15 hours a day if you want. And uh, I think that can make things a lot worse than they are. Not to say that, you know, it's not a really serious time, but uh, you know, I think there's a lot of, um, you know, there's still a lot of good things that are going on. Right. There's, obviously there's such a thing as blissful ignorance. And I think as well, where you come from North America, um, not to, you know, throw stones here because our media is, possibly one of the worst in the world, but, um, North America media, I mean, especially America, but uh, the time I've spent in Canada has not been too dissimilar. There is just a depression about like, it's just an onslaught of bad information and, and sadness and anger and constantly trying to create outrage. And it just, it's not healthy for people. No, no. And you know, what's funny is like, so I, I keep telling people my favorite thing on Facebook lately has been the snooze button. Um, so you can basically yeah. snooze someone for 30 days. And honestly, over the past couple of weeks, whenever someone posts something about statistics or this terrible thing or that terrible thing, it's like they get snoozed. And it's not me trying to like avoid reality, but I equate it to honestly having someone follow me around all day and be yeah. like, Oh, yeah. have you heard of coronavirus? It's this awful thing that's happening and all these people are dying. And it's just like, you know, I get it. I'm doing, you know, trying to do my best and doing what is recommended, but I, I don't need to be reminded, you know, 55 times a day that, uh, <laughs> about this, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, um, I've been a little bit more, um, surgical and I've just literally been cutting people completely out of social media that do it because 
like you say, it's just it's it's like having someone just stand there and just scream something at you that you, you already know you don't need an update on, and if you did, you wouldn't go to them for it. Totally, yeah. But it, it, it's funny though, because then at the like you know with with everything that's going on, and you know obviously right now in the UK we're being told to you know stay inside with our immediate family and can go out once a day, right? Mm-hmm. But you know I'm still I'm like. While I'm here, I can go for a walk a day. I'm shooting photos. I'm spending time with my family. You know, we're cooking together. We're hanging out. The weather's been great. Like it's, you know, there's still a lot of things to be, uh, you know, to be like happy about and grateful for. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it's it's a bizarre situation because in some instances, it feels like nothing's going on because you're kind of bored and you're trying to find ways to fill the time. But in other ways, it's this huge world issue that's obviously incredibly terrifying and there are people dying of it and there are people having to put themselves at risk to help and it just feels like a really bizarre time because it it almost feels like there's a world war going on but it's just like the other side of town and you don't have to worry about it but you might have to worry about it but you don't know if you have to worry about it yeah yeah i know it's like and again i'm not trying to downplay the situation by any means you know it's very serious it's just uh yeah i think you just really have to be like uh, very proactive and, and in terms of like the, how you approach your day and what you consume and how much you read about and what you decide to focus on and stuff like that. Um, the, one of the things that I am, I am working on today is I've been trying to think of like how I can help in some way. Right. Cause like even going out to like the grocery store, right. You mm-hmm. see these people who are, have to go to work every day there. Right. And yeah. like, you know, you don't realize how important that is and, and how much of a risk it is. Right. So it's like, I really commend people like that. So I'm, I'm thinking about, or I'm trying to put together like a, a fundraiser, selling some prints and stuff, and then see if I can donate the money. Somewhere That's really nice. Try and feel like I can do something. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's one of those things. I actually feel obviously. So my so my wife works in care, and she runs a care home for the council. She has a load of high risk residents, and also amazing staff that every day are putting themselves at risk, but are, you know are still braving it. Um, and providing the necessary things for people that are uh, that are not only at risk of coronavirus but are just vulnerable in general. Um, and I'm sat at home, and I'm I'm a wedding photographer and a portrait photographer, and I've never felt more absolutely useless in my life. So I've started to put together ways in which I could probably make some money, and then put that towards the people at her work having like a nice having a nice party, or you know, paying off some bills or whatever I can do to help. That's amazing. But it's weird to feel so useless. I, I'm aware that obviously a photographer is kind of, it's a weird superfluous thing, but it's also very important in a historical sense. But yeah, it's, it's, it's weird to feel so useless at the moment. Well, you know what? I think, like, I think this is a good reality check or, or reminder as well. You know, it's, I think when we're just living in our day-to-day life and everything's going normal, like society obsesses and is consumed by a lot of things that don't really matter. You know what I mean? Yeah. People and celebrities and this and that. And then it's like, we get into a pandemic like this and it's like, you know, we start paying attention to a lot of the people who maybe you wouldn't uh, think about in that specific way. Right. Yeah. I've, I've enjoyed the uh, celebrities that have tried to kind of draw attention to themselves um, through Twitter or whatever, and then just been knocked down. I've, I've really enjoyed that where people have just like, normally you know it's it's um it's fun to be entertained by you but right now is not the time it's almost like celebrities are being treated like a toddler that hasn't gone to bed yet yeah yeah i I mean i think it's and i'm like i'm not i'm not you know trying to knock anyone or anything but i just think it's a real like stuff like this is healthy in a way 
as a reminder for us to, you know, kind of shift our focus and our, and our way of thinking a little bit. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, in a way, that's another thing that I guess you could take away from this. How are things back in Canada? Yeah. So it's, uh, I'm, it's hard to know, to be honest. Right. All I know is that like, basically I got home and then I, the, the next day after I got home, uh, is when they, the government put in place a mandatory 14 day, uh, quarantine. If you got back from traveling anywhere, regardless if you had symptoms or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, and then I left the next day over here. Um, and then just did that when I got here just to try and, uh, you know, be as safe as I could. Um, but yeah, I, so that's all I really know. I, I've talked to family a little bit. It seems like Canada might be a, a little bit behind the UK in terms of, um, you know, what they're doing, but I would say not, not too far behind at all. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I've seen Trudeau doing some, uh, press conferences to talk about what they're doing and how they're going to try and combat it. It's just, it's crazy. It's a crazy time to be about. Yeah. And the, the last thing that I like, you know, people are so opinionated during times like these as well. And I'm just like, it's a crazy time and no one's experienced this shit before ever, you know, yeah. none of us. There's always an expert though. Even if it's the first time something's happened, there's always someone that's decided <laughs> that they're an expert. Well, yeah, man. Well, I'm just like, everyone is trying their best to figure this out and make the best decisions possible. You know what I mean? World yeah. leaders, uh, like, you know, leaders of different countries, this and that. So it's like, you know, I, I, I give a lot of respect to people who are like really, really consumed with some difficult decisions right now. It is fascinating to me to watch people uh, use something like this as uh, um, as leverage in an argument, a political argument. It's just, it's just not the time, you know. It's no, just, no. Let's just kind of focus on what's important. Let's get everyone healthy. Let's get the country back up and running. Let's get the world back up and running. And then you can go back to your stupid arguments in comment sections where you're never going to convince anyone but yourself. Yeah, yeah. It's like you got to push all differences aside right now. Exactly. So let's move away from Corona. Let's not talk about that anymore. A couple <laughs> of things I did want to ask you, if possible, is yep. just. Uh, one thing I want to try and do with the podcast is have uh, people introduced to some new photographers or some new art or some new movies or anything to kind of occupy the mind and give them something new to check out. Whose work are you enjoying in terms of photography at the moment? Or are there any movies that you've watched that have really spoken to you recently? Uh, Tiger Man on Netflix or yeah. Tiger King. Yeah, yeah. Tiger King. <laughs> no, yeah. I say that as a joke. Obviously, everyone's, everyone's been it's, it's the meme that. at the moment, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I would, you know, what is really interesting. And one of the things that I love about social media, um, you know, social media gets a lot of hate at times. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people like to kind of shit talk it and complain about it and stuff. But, uh, you know, it's like daily, I'm, I'm, you know, introduced to people's work, just if I come across it, or if it's, you know, recommended by someone else. And just so uh, it has a huge influence on on what I do. Um, and then even just being able to connect with, with people like, you know, you did a podcast, you mentioned in it, me in it, you tagged me in an Instagram post, and then I heard it and was able to connect with you. So it's just, it's an amazing way to just, you know, meet a bunch of people and build a bunch of relationships that you wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I would say that, you know, there isn't one specific person whose work stands out to me right now, but I would say that, um, you know, a, a ton of people who I follow on Instagram, uh, their work plays a huge, huge role in terms of, you know, my, my inspiration and my direction and my style and stuff like that. Um, and most of the people I follow would be, uh, film photographers, 
with similar kind of subject matter to to what I'm shooting. Yeah. Uh, one thing I would ask you, actually, I meant to ask you fairly early on, but it, it slipped my mind. How do you how do you describe yourself as a photographer? What's your genre? So, you know what, I've struggled with this for a bit. Obviously, when I did, like, before I was a landscape photographer, it was very simple. You know, I shot wilderness and nature and stuff. But, you know, this work is almost that in a, in a way, um, in terms of, obviously, the, the subject matter uh, isn't the wilderness. Um, but it's, it's these environments. So I, I almost just call myself a contemporary landscape photographer because I think this, the, the style of work I'm doing still very much is uh, landscape, even though... Um, you know, that includes, uh, towns and, and cars and, you know, objects and stuff like that. Yeah. So what's the one thing you're looking forward to do, uh, to doing when you're allowed back out of your house? Oh, I would say exploring. So like, I, like I said before, I'm, I'm right now I'm based in just outside of Reading. Um, and most of my time, uh, whenever I've come to visit in the UK has been just in this area with family and stuff. So, uh, you know, there's for so long now, I've been looking at maps and looking at, uh, uh, you know, going north in the UK. Uh, yeah. So one of the things once I uh, get moved over here and the rest of our stuff sorted out is I'm going to buy uh, like a camper van yeah. and just, yeah, drive and explore. Amazing. See, see, where, see where that takes me. I'm actually really fascinated to see what you do with England, because obviously I think Americana and, and the, the, the Midwest, it all has its own aesthetic and you've done a, a, an amazing job of, of framing it. And something I'm going to have to talk to you about at some point is I'm going to pick up some of your prints because they're some of my favorite work. But with England, I find England an incredibly difficult place to photograph and I'm interested to see what you do with it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested as well. Um, you know, for me, obviously you, you, you're from here and I know for me, the area that I was living in Canada, you know, start, started to become very, um, not necessarily boring, but just repetitive. And you I think numb, that's you big, get numb to it, right? Big time. Yeah. And that's, I think that's why the, the work that I'm doing now or, or the Southwest stuff is such an appeal to me because it was, you know, these desert landscapes, it was such a different uh, color palette and subject matter. Uh, so here in the UK, that, that feels very similar to me as well. Um, so I think it, you know, it, it all depends. I think, like you said, you can get numb to places pretty easily, but, uh, I mean, there's no doubt it's going to be a major shift, uh, visually. Um, so, that, and one of the fun things I'm doing right now is just, you know, playing around with different film stocks and going out and shooting and, you know, just getting a feel for, for what, uh, works with the kind of palette around here. So, so is it a case of like trying to, do you find the film that works with the environment? Yeah, like all basically all of my work for this Southwest uh, series was shot on uh, Kodak Portra 400. Mm -hmm. And for me, a big reason why that film worked so well is because the palette out there is a lot of like, uh, you know, blues and browns and oranges. So these really nice complementary colors. And then the, uh, the Portra 400 kind of shifts blue to a little like teal or cyan. Um, so it just worked really well for that environment. But now that I'm over here, I'm like, oh, you know, what could work well with, say, greens, right? So I'm looking at I'm trying to have some different Fuji socks and stuff like that. Um, and again, that's, you know, going back to that question about why I love film photography. And, that, you know, that's definitely one of the things, yeah. just experimenting and playing around with stuff like that. Um, so I, I just want to finish up by saying I'm, I'm so thankful that you agreed to do this. Um, I'm, you are one of my favorite photographers in the world. 
Um, what I try and do at the end of every episode is uh, everyone needs to know where they can find all of your amazing work. So please plug away at your website and social media. Cool. Yeah, no. And, and I mean, thank you uh, for reaching out. Like I said, it's uh, it was really cool to do this. Um, if people want to find me, uh, Instagram is where I post uh, almost daily. So that's kind of the, the place to see my most current work. Uh, my Instagram uh, handle is Kyle underscore underscore McDougal, the two L's. <laughs> Kyle, Kyle underscore McDougal was taken. So, um, and then... Uh, my website is kylemcdougalphoto.com. Um, and then if you just Google my name on YouTube, you'll find my... Uh... I'm going to link your YouTube a lot. I'm actually writing a social distancing blog today about your YouTube. So don't worry about that. Oh, sweet. Amazing. So thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Uh, it's been amazing to talk to you. Yeah. Thanks again for having me. I, I appreciate it. Wow.